0: You are listening to for the, Love of God for the Love of God
1: Podcast.
0: Welcome to For the Love of God Podcast, a show for Christians that keep it real. Whether you're new to Christianity, a seasoned Christian, or dipping your toes in the baptismal water, this show is for you. Join us and strengthen your Christian walk. Play games and discover new music. This ain't your mama's Christian podcast. And so, how you guys doing?
2: Wonderful. Uh, what's going on today, Jason?
0: You know, I don't even know. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a couple of things. We're gonna talk about well, I'm gonna play this little clip from Jordan Peterson that came out today, and which is extremely interesting. And uh, I will talk about why it's interesting when we get to it, and uh, kind of talk about uh, what's the word um, compromise compromising the word of God. Yeah, um, is there room for it? <laughs> mm. No, I don't think so, but we're gonna we're gonna dive into a little bit. Um, because so many people do mm. and they think that um, that it's okay sometimes. but so we're gonna look into that a little deeper. Mm. But first we're gonna look into the news.
1: So you know, it's kind of crazy with all this stuff going on. The there there almost seems to be this impression that the world is suddenly starting to turn away from all this vax craze and um, all these mandates, and you almost get the impression if you look closely at the news here in America with the Supreme Court overturning things, and in Britain with the with them pretty much walking everything back, mm-hmm. things seem to be heading back toward a more you know I put an air quote. It's normal type of
2: view. Do but, we even know what normal would be anymore? Like I, know? Know. I said, it's, it's <laughs> uh, air quotes,
1: right? Um, but, you know, things are still kind of crazy in Canada. And there was recently a group of truck truckers. This was a, a group of, uh, they were called themselves the Freedom Convoy, that were protesting the COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Hmm. And apparently, in their fundraising, they had received donations from more than 60,000 donors as of Tuesday. And GoFundMe is withholding the funds from the group.
2: Whoa. No way. Yeah. Not cool GoFundMe. That's not nice cool.
1: So to begin with, if you're still using GoFundMe, um, you shouldn't be. Uh, Give, send, go is probably the one that I would recommend people to use, particularly if you're Christian, because that is a, a more Christian Well, platform. even if I was going to, I'm not now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it is very interesting just to see how much overreach has occurred through all this stuff. And, it, and it's continuing to occur. So what was their excuse? What, I mean, how did they? Um, it says here that funds will be safely held until the organizer is able to provide the documentation to our team about how the funds will be properly distributed. But the fundraiser clearly outlined its purposes in the description of the GoFundMe page. So it's talking back and forth. Yeah, so um, it's... Not cool, people. Those who are in power are always looking for ways, that their primary purpose is to maintain power mm-hmm. and to expand that power. So it doesn't shock me that, that this stuff is happening, but it's it's getting to the point where uh, enough's about enough. But That's well, the news for today.
2: I guess we just need to hang on to the fact that ultimately the power is God's. Great story. Compelling and rich.
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, right. So, Game time.
1: Spin the wheel.
2: Is this tickling your fancy as much as it did last week?
1: It's scratching the itch for sure.
2: Okay. So much suspense. I know, right? Ooh, we haven't had this
0: one in a while. Would you rather? Would you rather? I know you got
2: your list. I do. Um, you want to do other ones, don't you? I want to do non-biblical ones. Oh, Jason. And I was so excited about these. but that's Are okay. you? No, it's, it's fine. I just was giving it a lot of time. I want to try it. All right, let's do it. Something a little... He already warned me a while back, but I have had my questions just in case.
0: Um, because the biblical ones can get kind of long in the tooth. and um, Not sure I understand. Does that mean like vampire-like? They it's take long. too much time. They take too to much time. time. I know what that means. <laughs> so I got some I got some here okay would you rather smell a dirty ashtray or sweaty gym socks
1: (laughs) they're both
2: very disgusting did you have to pick one. Uh, uh, that's just gross. I mean, I, I guess I could, I could, uh, you know, I've, I've smelled enough of both of them, but I'm telling you, my kids played hockey and I'm pretty sick of that whole hockey smell. It's just uh, it's pretty gross. So if it's only one time, I'll sniff the ashtray. I, I my dad smoked yeah. like a chimney when I was a kid and I got used to it. I haven't done it for a while, but it's a single sniff. I'll do that.
1: I I think I go the opposite direction because um, I had the misfortune of dating a girl one time who smoked. And Uh. and kissing her was like licking the bottom of an ashtray. So we didn't stay together very long. Um, So... (laughs) It um yeah smoking is just one of those things that's completely repulsive to me.
2: Um I'm not a huge fan either. I didn't pick it cuz I thought it was better. I just thought it would be yeah. it's less, I don't know. It seems less personal.
1: I have to <laughs> I have to thank my aunt for this one because I remember being like 6 years old and she was over and, and my my aunt was a hard partier. A heavy drinker, heavy smoker. And I looked up at her and I was like, can I have some of that at six years old? And it's a cigarette. And my aunt recoils like, no. And then like there was like a three second delay. And then it was like, sure. (laughs) And so she let me take a hit off of her a little drag off of her cigarette at like six years old. And it was the nastiest, grossest thing ever. Never touched it again. Oh, good for you. Best lesson she ever gave me. I I
2: smoked for a long time. My dad gave me a big chew of his uh, tobacco and I puked for like four minutes, five minutes (laughs) out in the dark. Driveway. Needless to say, I've never chewed tobacco. <laughs> of course, I've never smoked either. But yeah,
0: yeah, my per- my my parents both smoked, and uh, my first cigarette. <laughs> and God bless the seventies, because <laughs>
2: it was when I was coming out of the womb. My <laughs> doctor handed me a cigarette.
0: I'm sitting there. My parents are watching <laughs> television, and I'm sitting there on my knees at the end table at the couch my mom's right there and I'm 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 playing in the ashtray and I'm I got this paper towel or this uh, like tissue and I'm unrolling I'm like unrolling her cigarette butts Mm -hmm. just like you know wiggling them back and forth knocking all the tobacco out of it and you're gonna make your own yeah I hilarious. got a big pile of tobacco from her cigarette, but she's like, she's right there. She didn't even think anything of it, apparently. But did you light this thing? Yeah. I, I took it to my room and I rolled it up in a piece of paper. Oh, it was, my goodness. It was the worst thing. You can't roll cigarettes with a piece of paper. It, the paper alone would choke you to death. I see. It was just folded up, a loose roll. It was terrible. But that was my first experience. And then I was like, that was awful. So then I started sneaking them out of their packs. (laughs) And I was a very, very, very young smoker, like eight. Wow. When I started testing it. And by the time I was 13, I was smoking half a pack a day and um it was it was yeah i would i would go to the skating rink just so i can hang out with my buddies and smoke cigarettes and they didn't care we were like 12 years old at the roller skating rink sitting on the picnic tables in front of the in front of the concession stands smoking it's a good
1: chance that they still don't care at the rollers <laughs> probably rink, not Even today
0: <laughs> so moving on moving on would you rather Never be able to use GPS ever or never take another elevator again.
2: Oh, well, I definitely do that. I I don't even, I'm not a huge fan of elevators. I have kind of an internal vertigo issue mm-hmm. and what happens is, I, you know how like when you get on a boat and you're on a boat all day and then you get off the boat and you can kind of still feel yourself doing that? Well, I, I have a very, I'm sensitive to that everywhere. Like right now, I, I bought myself a treadmill and like after walking for the first couple of minutes, I'm freaking out, right? Because I still feel myself moving. So elevators are not my friend anyway, so I'm going to go with the GPS. I'll stick with the GPS and screw the elevators. I'll, I'll go upstairs. We're I need to right. exercise anyway.
0: Yeah. I pre- Personally, am keeping the GPS too because Damn. I'm not in a situation where I use elevators that often, and I'm I use GPS all the time, even right. if I know where I'm going. I'll I've, put I've the GPS too. on. Yeah, I'll because do it you to can check traffic. And yeah, you can avoid traffic that way. Yeah, and it, 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 it keeps me on track. I I, I daydream a lot. <laughs> I'm like oh, red red lines going this way. How can I gotta go. So yeah, keeping that.
1: Yeah, I'm not really too big into Darth Vader's sister. Darth
0: Vader's sister. Ella Vader. Ah. That's funny. All right. One more for us. One more. Would you rather have breakfast or dinner or pizza for breakfast? Wait a minute. What? Would you rather have breakfast for dinner or pizza for breakfast every day
1: for a year? (sighs) Oh. Pizza for breakfast. Really? Mhm.
2: I'm going to go with breakfast for dinner. There's more options there and yeah, I can it, pizza would get old after a
1: while for breakfast, I think. Well, and yeah. having breakfast for dinner, that's going to get just as old. But
0: there's so many
1: options. Yeah, you got a lot of options. Oh, so you're saying you could change it up, different types of breakfast yeah. for dinner. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't specify uh, eggs and bacon. breakfast. I, w- I was assuming it was one or the other. So if uh, I guess it, it, it would make sense, I guess I'd change my answer if it, it could be varied. But if I have to have the same breakfast or the same dinner, I'd much rather have pizza for for breakfast over and over again. I kind of enjoy cold pizza for. I out definitely of the enjoy. Oh, I'm not going to lie to you there. The I don't put pizza. in the fridge. <laughs> Then how do you get it cold? It
0: room temperature, it's cold. Oh, okay. Cold enough. Pizza's the only thing I won't put in the fridge. You better be
1: careful because after too long, bad things can happen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Believe me, I know all, all the stories of bad things happening in food. Um, it's very, I distrust pizza. <laughs> you distrust pizza? I just trust pizza. Oh,
2: you just trust
0: yeah, it. Yeah, like I, I don't care how much meat's on it, whatever's on it, it's fine. It's going to sit there on my counter. The next day I'll get up and eat it, no. No problem, and I've never been sick, but anything else, forget about it, it's not happening. I don't know what it is. With, I don't you uh, leave pizza out overnight?
2: And eat it? I do not ever. No, we put it in the refrigerator.
0: It must have been the college thing because we
1: would get hammered and have pizza and we'd just be sitting <laughs> I've, there.
2: I've had it overnight
1: from when I was a kid, but not as an adult. Just a, too big of a risk. I don't want to get sick. Uh, I live.
2: I live by the uh, theory of the penguins of Madagascar, who said, "What can't you trust? Three day old, th- three day old mung beans. Yeah, <laughs> stir fried mung beans. There you go. That's my. That's what
0: I live. Mung by. beans. Funny. All right. So, um, Jordan Peterson. Um.
1: What got, were you saying? I got to tell on Pastor Rick. He doesn't really know who Jordan Peterson is. Yeah. He, he was
2: well, you know, limp. you guys don't have to rat me out. I can't believe <laughs> that. I sh- I share this in the privacy of the studio, and now everyone in the world has no clue who this guy is. <laughs> um, All right. That's okay. Keeps me humble.
0: Yeah. We kind of filled him in a little bit. Um. But
1: I liked your definition, Nathan. If you would mind. Sure. Uh, he's essentially the the gateway drug to Christianity for for uh modern men
0: yeah if uh jordan peters can get on board with the reality of god and the reality of knowing jesus christ as your lord and savior then i think there is a very I, large population I that that he's th- there He's. Get, I think he's getting close, and um, he's been close
1: for a while. I think his daughter crossed the line, though. Uh,
0: p- perhaps yes. Um, but today I listened to this um interview. It was this little clip here. He was on Joe Rogan. Yeah, that interview just launched today. Yeah, uh, Jordan Peterson's realization about the Bible is the title of this clip, and I, I found it extremely interesting and. Um,
1: he is. He gave me hope. He's always had a very positive view of faith. Yeah. And uh, you could tell he's wrestled with some real, with some of the deeper questions. Right. So here's a clip from that interview. If categories dissolve, especially
3: fundamental ones, the culture is dissolving because the culture is a structure of category. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Right. So and, in fact, culture is, a stra- culture is a structure of category that we all share. So we see things the same way. Well, that's why we can talk. I mean, not exactly the same way, because then we'd have nothing to talk about. But roughly speaking, we have a bedrock of agreement. Uh, that's the Bible, by the way. So I just walked through the Museum of the Bible in Washington. That was very cool. It's a very cool museum. So the structure, that's what the Bible Yeah, that's what provides. I figured out. I've been, I just figured this out this week. So it was, a cool, it was a cool thing to walk through because it's, it's chronological. They have one floor, which is the history of the Bible. Mm. But it's not exactly that. It's really what it is, is the history of the book. Now, in many ways, the first book was the Bible. I mean, literally, because at one point there was only one book. Like, as far as our Western culture is concerned, there was one book. And for a while, literally, there was only one book. And that book was the Bible. And then before it was the Bible, it was, a cl- you know, it was scrolls, and it was writings on papyrus. and But it was, we were starting to aggregate written text together. And it went through all sorts of technological transformations. And then it became books that everybody could buy, the book everybody could buy. And the first one of those was the Bible. And then it became all sorts of books that everybody could buy. But all those books, in some sense, emerged out of that underlying book. And that book itself, the Bible isn't a book. It's a library. It's a collection of books. And so what I figured out was partly because I was talking to my brother-in-law, Jim Keller, who's the world's greatest chip designer and has now designed a chip that's as powerful as the human brain, which is optimized for artificial intelligence learning, by the way. And so I talked to him about that. He said, you heard of the internet? I said, "Yeah, Jim, I've heard of the." He said, "This is way more revolutionary than that." So, in any case, we were talking about meaning in text because we were talking about translation and the problem of understanding text. And Jim said, "The meaning of words is coded in the relationship of the words to one another." And the postmodernists make that case that all meaning is derived from the relationship between words. That's, that's wrong. Because, well, what about rage? That's not words. And what about moving your hand? That's not words. So it's wrong. But but part of it's right. Because the meaning we derive from the verbal domain is encoded in the relationship between words. So... So now then you think, well, let's think about the relationship between words. Well, some words are dependent on other words. Some ideas are dependent on other ideas. The more ideas are dependent on a given idea, the more fundamental that idea is. By de- that's a definition of fundamental. So now imagine you have an aggregation of texts in a civilization. You say, which are the fundamental texts? And the answer is, the texts upon which most other texts depend. And so you'd put Shakespeare way in there in English, because so many texts are dependent on Shakespeare's literary revelation. And Milton would be in that category, and Dante would be in that category, at least in translation. Fundamental authors, part of the Western canon, not because of the arbitrary dictates of power, but because those texts influenced more other texts. And then you think about that as a hierarchy, okay, with the Bible at its base, which is certainly the case. Now imagine that's the entire corpus of, li- of linguistic production, all things considered. Now how do you understand that? Like, literally, how do you understand that? The answer is you sample it by reading and listening to stories and listening to people talk. You sample that whole domain. You build a low resolution representation of that in your inside you and then you listen and see through that. And so it isn't that the Bible is true. It's that the Bible is the precondition for the manifestation of truth, which makes it way more true than just true. It's a whole different kind of true. And I think this is I think this is not only literally the case. Factually, I think it can't be any other way. It's the only way we can solve the problem of perception.
0: The Bible is way more he true says than stuff like truth. That
3: all the time.
0: Yeah.
1: It's. He's not yet crossed the line, but you can tell he's wrestled with it. He actually came through a, uh, a really bad addiction because of the, some of the medicines he was on to help fight depression, he became addicted to. Mm-hmm. Um, he fought through that over the last couple of years. And during his recovery period, he got very close. And like I mentioned, earlier, I think his daughter crossed the line. So yeah, th- there's a lot of people who hate to see him have any platform because the, he says things like that and they are so against the Bible. mm mm-hmm. And he, he completely deconstructs a lot of the lies that modern, that the modern, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? What what they, you know, the air quotes, they want you to believe. He tears their arguments apart. yeah
2: So, yeah, very interesting stuff. I yeah. hope that it, uh, if I'll tell you what, if I believed something was truer than truth, I would probably have it affect my life in some way. So hopefully we'll see some effect there if we haven't already. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I just wanted to share that. It's very interesting that you see a person that comes to those conclusions intellectually. Yeah. He's fun
0: to listen to. I've been listening to a lot of him lately and, uh, and blow your mind.
1: And he is, he is definitely tapped into the cultural need for men to have a positive role model. Um, his Mm. 12 rules for living are, have made a very big impact on a lot of people in a Mm. positive way. And you will hear him talk and in his, he will talk about the interactions that he has with people and the the way that he's impacted them and just sometimes he'll just break down in tears like he is just so thankful Mm -hmm. and Mm. and he he he's got a very very effeminate approach Mm -hmm. but it's nice for for men that are effeminate to be able to see you don't have to pretend you're a woman to have an effeminate reaction to something right right um it's is very interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. And his uh, roots are in psychology, he said, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, That would make sense. He's, uh, you know, dealing with people all those years and looking at the science and then looking at, uh, you know, just the effects of people's actions on their life. And so, yeah, it's kind of a, often those things go together. I mean.
1: He became very big when he took a stand against like transgenderism mm. and uh, he basically stood up. Canada was trying to have like. That's not s- popular
2: in <laughs> his circles yeah. at all.
1: Yeah part of the reason why p- people don't like to see him platformed. But uh, there's actually a movie called The Rise of Jordan Peterson on Amazon Prime, if you want to check that out. Hmm.
2: Interesting. Might have to check that out. Right. Anyway,
0: moving on. So, um, <clears throat> what was we talking about? What were we going to talk about?
2: <laughs> we were going to talk about compromise. 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 You know, that that's a that's a deep a topic. Uh, and sometimes I think we misunderstand that whole, uh, the issue of compromise and what it really is. And so, yeah, in fact, we had a conversation, Jason and I were having a conversation over the, uh, over the weekend, just talking about, uh, you know, particular subject. And, and, uh, he's like, you know, well, isn't this a compromise? Isn't that a compromise? And it, you know, is, as I was looking at it, I realized it's, it's difficult sometimes to understand what a compromise is and what is a compromise and what's not, but what isn't difficult is understanding whether or not we should allow compromise. <laughs> <laughs> that is not an issue we have to wrestle. With or there shouldn't have to wrestle with. Right. Yeah, we do. In the modern day church, we wrestle with it. Um, you know, uh, uh, just to use an obvious one. Um, in fact, I didn't know about this until a week ago. I was just kind of it was while I was sick cuz uh, I, you know, followed you in the uh the COVID affair. Um, <laughs> but I had a much re- I had the cold, the Omatron, I call it the Omatron version. Uh it sounds like a robot. I don't know, it's just It cool. is. Anyway, so the <laughs> so I got the while I'm at home, you know, I I, I would work for a little bit and then I'd take a little break and I was just kind of YouTubing randomly. And this uh, guy came up uh, in his blog or whatever, his video blog. And he was talking about the Queen James Bible. Did you know that's a thing? Queen James. The Queen James. Did you know that was a thing? Well, so, you know, Nate's up on everything. I, I am not, but. And I'm <laughs> like, not know I, about everything, but. I've never heard of the Queen James Bible. And apparently, it is basically the King James Bible. And they went in about six different places and rewrote it, retranslated it to take out the homophobic reactions of the typical Christian and the whole idea. And it's basically, it's got a rainbow cross in the front of it for sale on Amazon for 2777. I looked it up. In fact, I just find that kind of fascinating 2777. What are they trying to say there? I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, we, in, in our culture, we have come under this attack where the enemy, I believe wholeheartedly is trying to convince people. Oh, you know what? it's all about love. We had a person in our church actually for a while. Um, and, and we ended up kind of parting ways, uh, because of other issues. But, um, he said, you know, love is love and, you know, th- that's the new revelation I have of God's word. You know, he wants us to love. And if we have sexual love for, you know, another man, that that's okay.
1: Warning. Anytime you hear anybody say new revelation,
2: yeah, it's usually.
1: Yeah, you're you are you are in
2: blasphemy territory. Right. I agree with you 100%. Yep. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I, this is a great example. This is a, you know, this is simply a compromise. It's, it's culture saying, you know what, it's a cultural thing. God would be okay with that. You know, I'm sure he'd be okay, even though his word specifically says several times this is a no-no. Do not do this in any way, shape, or form. But we want to appease. Um, I've Went to a lot of churches and I've asked people, why are you so pro homosexuality? You know what the common answer is? Well, I have a brother or I have a friend or I have a nephew or I have an uncle who's gay. Okay, does that mean that we have to make it okay? God doesn't change, his word doesn't change. That is a pure, that is a very obvious example of a compromise. On the other hand, sometimes things aren't necessarily compromises, they're just things that we don't understand. You know, Paul pointed out one. That we talked about earlier, you know, there was a kind of a controversy going around uh, in the early church because meat that was sold in the public marketplace was often purchased from people who raised these animals, then sacrificed them to foreign gods. And then once that sacrifice was taken over and they apparently, you know, pleased their lowercase g god, they would just sell this meat off to make money. And so there were some people that said, well, you can't eat that. That's not of God. That was sacrificed to a foreign god. And other people were like, you know what? Their little foreign, their foreign lowercase g god is a nobody. And it's just me. And so I buy it at the marketplace for, you know, $5.99 a pound or whatever. Then I eat it. And Paul came across and he said, you know what? If you believe it's wrong to eat it, don't. If you believe it's okay, okay, eat it. But don't eat it in front of your brother if it causes him to stumble. And so, you know, we have a couple of things to think about. One, is it truly right or wrong? We need to get to the bottom of it, look biblically. Is this a compromise or is this, you know, is this truth or is it not truth? And then we have to also be careful how it affects other people. So, you know, lots of uh, lots of issues there. I'm running wild and I know you're, I see a little smoke rolling out your ears. So, uh, well, take it away there, sir.
0: There is, you have to say it is the Bible. I will
2: say no. Or is there a gray area?
0: Or
1: well, yes. I mean, sometimes
2: there, we, sin can go either way. Right.
1: Compromise isn't necessarily bad or good because it's something that, it, it's like a basic skill for marriage. You're going to have to compromise on certain things, whether it's you watch your show tonight or her show tonight, right? It's, you're going to compromise. The question is, is where's is the line? Where do you compromise? Mm. What do you compromise on?
2: So would there, a be badder- a,
1: would there be a place to
2: compromise in the word of God that
1: would make sense? Well, the way I look at compromise is, if it's a matter of principle, you stand truth like a rock, and you plant yourself like an oak tree beside the river. You just put those roots down deep, right? Right. And you, and, and if come what may, the world has to change before you change on principle. Mm-hmm. If it's a matter of preference, I'll bend like the wind. Like, if what's for dinner tonight, whatever. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, yeah. In mm-hmm. in
0: life, we have to have compromise. It's the only way we can get along. Um, without compromise, all oh, you have is argument. Mm -hmm. But in the word of God, when God gives you a
2: command. To so is that really a compromise or is that just flat out sin? Right. I
0: mean,
1: you can't compromise a command, yeah. but be we careful ser- to do what the Lord, your God has commanded you and do not turn aside to the right or to the left. That is Deuteronomy five
2: thirty two. Exactly. Right. So I would look at compromise as being like, um, I mean a valid compromise using your, you know, your uh, definition of compromise, a compromise that might be biblical would be, um, I want to worship using, you know, all kinds of various electronic instruments and somebody else wants to worship using no instruments or using all acoustic instruments or one using rock music and one using country music, you know, right. Those country music people are going to hell. We know that, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes, I'm not a fan of country, but you know, they're not right or wrong. And so you might compromise and say, look, you know, I don't really like country, but if it means helping you to worship, I'll use your style of music. And in the in that way, the church has actually not done a very good job of of compromising with culture, because you know music is it's kind of it's not good or bad; it's um, amoral. Uh, rock music versus I country music I don't versus I, I jazz. An argument
1: against that, but I understand where you're coming from.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can take anything to the nth degree, but I think music is pretty much you know it's a cultural thing, and so uh, you know if I want to compromise, I'm not going to compromise on lyrics and content of worship, but I might compromise on the music style that we use. So that would, to me, seem like a valid place to compromise. But where I wouldn't compromise is if God says, don't do something and you say, well, you know, the majority of people kind of like this. Let's go ahead and kind of say it's okay. Like, you know, obviously, sexual things are pretty big. And in our modern day world, it's pretty obvious um, uh, that
1: Let's take a moment, since we kind of touched on homosexuality a little earlier. Okay. Oh, Sex outside of marriage.
2: Right. That's where I was heading Just with that. Just as bad, right? Yeah, that's if where I was heading with that. Yeah.
1: If you're if you're doing things that the Bible tells us that we should not be doing, uh, another one is divorce, the idea of no-fault divorce, mm-hmm. right? The Bible tells us there's really only one justification. Right. Right? Only one. And even that one item was given to us because we have hard hearts,
2: Right. And that was kind of a compromise. I, you know, that's a good, that's a good example because as a pastor, I've been asked to marry people before that were already in a state where they're living together, uh, where they're already, you know, having sex outside of marriage. And technically, you know, my, my line is kind of drawn. I don't want to marry anybody who's not equally yoked. And I don't want to marry people that are currently living in sin. And so I started thinking about that. And over the last several years, I have truly changed. You know, I've, I've allowed myself to marry a few of these people. And one might look at that and say, wow, that's kind of a compromise, right? Because you're marrying people that could be unequally yoked, that are living together. And, you know, my whole thing is I went back to the Bible and I said, God, what would honor you? These people are already living together. In some cases, they had children together and they were saying, hey, we want to make it right. Well, it's not where you've been, it's where you're going. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would basically require that they go through uh, marriage counseling, which we would talk heavily about Jesus. We would talk about... The absolute, you know, the fact that a marriage is ordained by God that. You know having a common direction is of utmost importance if you 're going to stay together, and that there is no better common focus than God you know and as you grow closer to him you 're literally going to grow closer to each other and I pray that you know I have an impact on them and my my whole thinking is that they 're already married anyway, and i 'm not even talking common law in god 's eyes they 've already come together they 've had a child, and now they 're just saying we want to profess this commitment so I've allowed myself to marry these few people. Some might point at me and say, oh, pastor, you're compromising. You should have, you know, in fact, I had a pastor who actually said, you know, you should make them move out first and, and go through all these things for a while and, you know, put a date on it. But I look at it like they've got a child, they've got to raise, they're already living together. Let's just move them in the, in the direction of God. Right. But that's an issue where it is kind of a gray area. And should I have done it? I don't know. Some could probably argue either way. I didn't feel at the time, and still, and I, you know, I take it on a case by case basis, and I pray about it, but I don't feel like that is a compromise of God's word.
0: No, and you can't forget the art of well, maybe art in the best word, <laughs> the fact, the repentance.
1: There's also mm-hmm. the
0: idea. Yeah, that. we did wrong. Yes, we lived in sin. Yes, we are living in sin. We see the light. We see the truth. We are choosing Christ to right. be our Lord. Right. We were repenting from our wicked deeds and we want to do it right now. Right. By getting married and doing it correctly.
2: Right. And that's definitely, uh, you know, and I don't look at that as a compromise, but I have been criticized in the past. So I think we just got to kind of, you know, we have to, we have to look at what the word of God says in there are some areas that are going to be difficult. Uh, You and I were just having a conversation about, uh, you know, about idolatry. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a situation where, you know, in our Bible study group, where we had somebody who's kind of an ADD kind of, we've got several people that confess kind of having some ADD. Um, and they have a tough time praying and staying focused and i've actually i've been a victim to that in the past um and i've heard of many people who have the uh, who have been a victim and there are certainly some things that you can do and so I was kind of saying, well, maybe maybe having some kind of visual, you know maybe putting some you know sticky notes with all your prayer requests or Maybe, you know, having a Bible in front of you, read some of the word and just have it there and just kind of, you know, let it draw your thoughts to God or, and I didn't say this, but, you know, I was even thinking in my mind, you know, maybe having a little cross or something like that. Um, And I didn't say that, but uh, because I wasn't sure where I wanted to head with all of it. And the question came up, you know, is that idolatry? Would that be a compromise if you're just breaking God's word in order to appease somebody to help them come to God? And I would say that that would be a true statement that if you truly are breaking a commandment, that that would be a compromise and that would not be a good compromise. But at the same token, then we, you know, we started cashing out, you know, kind of what is an idol. And, you know, when you start thinking it through, it's like, well, is, would that be an idol? If you know that Bible, that sticky note, that cross has no power at all, and that you are merely trying to stay focused to talk to the creator of the earth, I'm not so sure that would be idolatry, but I can see like, you know, as we were talking, I can see where some might say, I don't know, you know, even
1: images and such. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I could see where maybe, so those are the kind of things I think where I, you know, we just have to have, um, I don't. Know, I guess we got to have grace with one another in the church because there are going to be those kind of discussions where we don't always agree. I, I know uh, I've been in churches where dancing was an issue.
1: Oh yeah, I did. half
2: the church was like, you know, dance away, and the other half is, if you dance, you're going to hell. You yeah, know,
1: you, you've had churches break apart over things as as asinine as the color of the church's carpet. You know, it's <laughs> yes, people indeed. are stupid sometimes. But I kind of want to go back to what you said there because. Psalm 119.3 says, joyful are those who do not compromise with evil and walk only in his paths. Mm. And we we do know that God is holy, his ways are right, and God is good and his ways are life giving. So we don't compromise on those things like like Peter when he was arrested and then they say, we'll let you out, but you got to stop preaching about Jesus. And he's like, well, I'll take another beating because I'm not going to stop doing that.
2: That's a non-compromisable situation, Um, right?
1: But you mentioned earlier how you kind of softened your approach on, on certain couples you married. And it kind of reminded me of Matthew 9. Where um, the where the uh, Pharisees are asking, why do your you you your teacher and your people dine with like tax collectors and sinners? Mm, right. And Christ's response was, go and study this and tell me what it means when when he says, I require mercy. You know. And and there's a whole lot of people that are living in brokenness, and if they're going to try to move toward God, we serve a God who's who's ready to to accept them and 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 embrace them. Right. He he's chasing after. That one lost sheep, and who? How dare we step in the way of somebody who is literally trying to to live out to the best of their ability the call of God on their life? That we would stand in the way with a bunch of ecclesiastical commandments that they must jump through hoop X, Y, and Z, and make their lives more difficult. That's what Christ mm-hmm. was was chastising the Pharisees for, right? You, know, you 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 add all these rules, and you're not making their lives easier,
2: right? Right.
0: right. You know, it, I, I am getting tired of the hypocrites um, of this world. But don't let those people keep you away from the
1: church. we <laughs> got room for one more.
0: You know, because, right. you know, they they fall to their knees and pray for grace, but yet they the last ones to give it. That's not good. Yeah, right. absolutely. You know, and.
2: Yeah, yeah, I was actually just, as he was talking, I was thinking of, you know, kind of going back to the homosexual thing. Um, I've actually, I got some critici- critici- criticism. Criticism from uh, fellow church mates because we had some, uh, a homosexual couple come to our last church. Uh, well actually two churches ago and, um, you know, we didn't, obviously we didn't let them lead church, you know, ministries. We didn't, you know, they were just just coming to church and they're like, you know, why do you let these people come to your church? Well, cause it's a hospital for sick people. They need to hear the word of God. And so we're going to love on them. And we did a uh, parade where the worship team, you know, got up on the, you know, uh, we put, we put them on a float and we worshiped through the town uh, of canal Winchester And people said, you know, wow, you guys built your float in behind that couple's home and you let them in on helping you make it. I said, yeah, they're not on the float worshiping, but yeah, I want to get them involved. I want them to connect with other people. I want them to learn that we love them, but there's going to come a time when we're going to have this conversation, you know, God's going to make a way. And sure enough, we did. And it did end up in, uh, you know, in them leaving, um, they could not, you know, swallow God's word, but it was because we got into the word of God and we talked about what it meant. And they did not really want to know what the Bible said because they were scared. Mm-hmm. They were pretty sure the Bible was against it. They just didn't want to hear it. So they walked away for a while. And I don't know what kind of impact, but, you know, letting them be a part, uh, you know, even when they, you know, when they said, Hey, we, you can build a float out, you know, outside of our house. And I'm like, Hey, yeah, no problem at all. I think that's exactly what a Jesus would have done. And I don't know that that's a compromise. I think that's, you know, I think we don't compromise with evil, but we do compromise our preferences, like you said, and sometimes compromise who we hang out with so that we can reach some.
1: There's also, uh, there's a, a rebuke of compromise with the Church of Thyatira. Because of that, they allowed that woman Jezebel to teach and mislead people into sexual immorality. Right. So we are not to compromise. Um, We are called out not to compromise on the principles of God. Again, if it's a matter of preference- bend like the wind, right? Just, just bend, just don't break. You don't do wrong, but if it's not wrong, I don't think there's any reason to, to plant your feet unmovable over a preference. Mm -hmm. Right.
2: And I think we have to be a little bit uh, careful too. Um, We see in Corinthians, you know, Paul, he's saying, you know, you guys, man, you're, you're, you're saying you're such a great church, but man, you got like this dude that's gone. It's that says he's one of you, but he's like you know having relations with his father's wife or mother I don't know I can't Something even remember like that, exactly yeah. but you know and he's like this is wrong and he said you need to you need to condemn this and you need to get him out if he's not going to change so you know we look at you know in fact I, I actually act, I told Jason I said we should do a, sh- a show about this one time you know should sinners be allowed to go to church <laughs> should we go to church with sinners it, it's kind of a silly question and of course we should but there is a difference I think between going to church with a homosexual couple who never claimed to be Christ followers they're simply interested in what God offers and what the Bible has to say and they obviously didn't know what God said even about homosexuality there's a difference between that. And having somebody who's your elder who's living in sin, or having somebody who who says, I am a Christ follower yet has adulterous affairs outside. Those things we are our brother's keeper and we're supposed to police them up. And there does come a time when we gotta say, Hey dude, or do that, this is not right. You can't do this.
1: I actually know another pastor. Um He's a pastor of one of those churches where the average age of the congregation is deceased. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They're not even gray hairs anymore. They're bald. It's a bald church. Um, So all joking aside, it was um, he, he was a new pastor, came into the situation. And after uh, several months, he, he recognized a problem where a couple that was on the leadership team were living in sin. Mm. Okay. But they were having relations, but they were living separately because of benefits from the government and things like that. But they bypassed the church rules of not allowing husband and wife on a committee by not getting married. And they were using that power to uh, abuse oh my. the rest of the church. Um, nobody stood up to them until... Mm. Uh, A pastor I know did. But the crazy thing is this. By standing up to these people, that pastor put his his job at risk. Sure. Um, And it, it created a little bit of friction. But the crazy thing is, once the issue was addressed... The people who were who were on like the leadership team at the church, they didn't want to get involved. They didn't want to address it like this is just not the, the not the right bat, right? But the pastor was right. This was a bad situation, somebody who shouldn't be in leadership. Mm. And he wasn't trying to kick him out of the church or anything like that. Just you're you're not qualified to be in leadership. So um, the crazy thing is after he addressed it, it was uncomfortable for a little while. Right. But the church grew from it. Sure. Once it was addressed and that cancer was removed. The pruning. uh, The pruning process Mm -hmm. took over and and growth started to occur. Right. And uh, there's there's a lesson there. Sometimes it's going to be painful to do the right thing. Right. But we still do it anyway.
2: I agree. Yeah. All right. So. so that takes us to where, Sir Jason? Uh, songs of the week. Songs of the week. Ow. All right. You know, it makes me happy to see you uh, dancing now that you're fully, almost recovered from your COVIDity. COVIDity. <laughs> I'm still waiting to get my COVIDity payments. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm gonna go ahead and just jump in there since you keep telling me I'm first. So this week, I'm picking a song that uh, we are com- we're gonna do this week, actually, mm. on the worship team. It's uh, a new song called "New Thing," brand new from uh, Passion. It's from their new EP, "Burn Bright," uh, featuring Melody Malone, and uh, kind of a neat little song. Uh, has a kind of a I don't know modern day, you know, uh, something the kids might like. <laughs> you know what i mean uh, a little a little more popish than i'd like but not bad uh but i, I the words were kind of neat it says uh, oh god we need a heart of revival we long for a soul awakening oh how i i long for that for for myself and for everybody i know I hope to wake us up from our sleeping, to see you resurrecting everything. See, I think that's our culture right there, sleeping. Like the winter turns to spring, like the deserts turn to streams, you're doing a new thing, doing a new thing. Like the rain on thirsty ground, Holy Spirit, pour it out, you're doing a new thing, doing a new thing. So kind of a neat little song. Check it out. Um, Yeah. Maybe God will do a new thing in you. Yeah.
0: Nathan, come back to me. All right. I'm going to pick... As the Deer. No way. By Stephanie Gretzinger. You
2: know, that's an old song too, right? I mean, no. I don't know when that, when was that written? See, I I can look that up. I I look at our, I look at Nate because he just is like the walking Google (laughs) and just <laughs>
0: my Googles google
1: everything. foo is strong i am not as smart as you're giving me <laughs>
0: <pinafer>. <laughs> your google foo is telling you <laughs> uh as a deer panteth for the water so my soul longeth after thee yeah that's actually an old hymn you alone are my heart's desire and i long to worship thee it's just a pretty song um it's kind of almost a acapella with a little little light music in the background uh She does a good job with it. Got a nice voice. And uh, yeah, check it out.
2: It's not as old as I thought. It was written in 1981. Wow. Way older than I thought. I thought it was much older. That's that's the first thing that came up. As a dear, he says the song was written in 1981, sprang from an incident in his life, the writer, Hmm. in which he was not spiritually motivated. I don't know. Anyway,
0: yeah. As a or as the. That's as the. Yeah. I
1: thought it was an old hymn. I
2: don't know. I mean. Maybe I'm wrong. See? It could
0: be derived from a
2: hymn. Here we go. History of hymns as a deer. Ooh, this takes me right here. Let's see what it says. Uh, da, 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 da. See, I can't see. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh, oh. Here's written letter. 20. Martin Nystrom. That name sounds familiar. Is a native of Seattle. So when did he write it? It doesn't say. It just gives a bunch of history. It says he was born in 56. <laughs> But it actually is pulled from a psalm. It actually was originally a psalm. Okay, that might so be So Yeah. As a deer pants for water, so my song likes that so longs after you. That's a David psalm. So it is actually pretty old. Yeah, very. But I like uh, I like Stephanie's version. It's very jazzy, very airy and breathy, and kind of open. You just uh, it makes me worship. So yeah, me good, too. Good choice. Good stuff.
1: No, so I guess I'll, I guess <laughs> I, I will use the song "Red Letters" by Crowder. Okay, so um, I, I kind of like his style. Is he referring to the words of Christ? Uh, Read, listen to the song and find out. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so, I don't. I don't really have a, a deep explanation for it. I like his style, too. Yeah, his style just is kind of like what I like to listen to. I mean, he really,
0: um, you can listen to an entire album front to back and hit almost
2: three different genres. See, that's what I was thinking when you said, yeah, (laughs) when he said that, I'm thinking, what is his style? Because he just like goes wherever he wants to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's going to satisfy everybody.
2: (laughs) I I think he just does what he wants to do and does his own thing. Yeah, I mean, if it it
0: feels good to him, he's going to do it. That was one of the
1: reasons why I liked 21 Pilots, because you just never know what genre they're going to play in. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: Very interesting. Yeah. Cool. All right. Final thoughts. Final thought today comes from Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 11 says simply this. Now these are the gifts God gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and and build up the church, the body of Christ. And he goes on in 13 to say, this will continue until we all uh, come to such unity in our faith, such knowledge of God's son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You, if you're listening today and you are a follower of Christ, you are a minister of Jesus and your pastor isn't there to entertain you. He's not there to be the church. He is there to train. And equip you for ministry. So what you want to ask yourself is what is my ministry? What is my part? And what should I take from our Sunday messages so I can be a better minister of Jesus Christ? That's all I have
0: today. Okay. All right. Well, folks, thanks for so much for tuning in to the show. Um, you know, there really is no compromising in in the word of God. Uh we don't pick and choose what we decide that what our moral compass is going to be right. um, to what he decides it should be. We just listen to the father and because he has set the be- best path for us. And if we can stay on that path and make no compromises, but listen to the great teacher, then our lives are only going to be so much more better. Amen. And from the words of uh, uh, Jordan Peterson, the Bible is more truth than truth. <laughs> and with that, Say goodnight, Rick. Good night, Rick. Good night, Nate. Good night, Nate. Good night, everybody. <laughs>